welcome to part two in the Neuralink podcast series. In this instalment, we explore the application of neuroscience in the workplace, discussing where Neuralink can and has made a significant impact on organisational development and culture. I, I think uh, one of the things that people are going to be interested in is, is some of the examples of how Neuralink has been used as a platform to enable change in an organisational setting. And there are lots of different arenas in which it could be used, um, you know, business, education, sport, and so on. Mm-hmm. So I'm interested in really in your experience and some of your stories about how it's been used as a platform, then it helped to move the needle of that culture to, to the direction uh, that was desired. Uh, two quick stories that comes to mind uh, that we are both busy with at the moment. One is um, a, a parastatal organization that is semi-government. And what we do there is, um, for instance, we do uh, practitioner training. They are like licensed practitioners of our assessments and many of our learning solutions. And then we train their practitioners. But we have in this organization's practitioners from the well-being side, the talent development side, the people responsible for learning and development and also uh, developing some of the coaches in the organization. And everyone does first our brain profile practitioner training because that is the point of departure in trying to understand what are the learning and the development implications of the brain. Because this plays into the fields of talent development, of performance improvement, of reducing risk for human error, of developing leadership and even of having a neuroscience approach towards coaching. So all people development practitioners involved in this organization take their have champions in the different departments and then they come do the training and then they start utilizing the assessments and then the learning solutions that follows where and uh, where they feel it is uh, applicable specifically um, to the goals and the outcomes that they want to achieve so this organization becomes a licensed business partner who uses it in many different ways in the organization as eventually this tool helps to develop a learning culture it is there to develop a, a, a learning agility So many people in the different departments may use many different tools as well. But what we do in this organization is the point of departure in every department is we start with the learning receptiveness profile, the assessment about how I am wired for learning. That is the basic point of departure everywhere throughout the organization. So anybody and everybody has to go through it. That's the one scenario. On that one, the challenge really in, in each of these instances is for those practitioners to really help the individuals understand that now we understand the way we are wired, the range of opportunity for learning that is available to help you reach the new level of performance and how to access them and how to use them best. So we yes. become it becomes... Uh, Although on paper it looks quite a disconnected set of learning solutions, 
it is each individual that connects them for themselves right. in order yes. to achieve the levels of performance that they've agreed with their line managers. Right. So uh, that's quite important to bear in mind that what, what we're doing here is giving people the opportunity to personalize their learning to ensure the levels of performance required by the business to meet its intentions. Yeah. Yes. And use the program to help, to help, to help make decisions about exactly. those learning choices. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Right. For instance, in the same organization, they have an assessment center. And any new recruits who, who join the organization have to go through the assessment center where they do these profiles and that becomes part of mapping out the learning journey for this individual in time to come as well. So it is used there as well. But yeah. another example that I would love to just give you is that we have um, one of the biggest listed companies have gone through a process of developing high potentials. Now, the high potentials are the people they feel is, have the potential to become their future leaders and impact the business uh, in a profound way. And then again, what, what happens is uh, the uh, brain profile assessments, as we refer to, or uh, the ag learning agility assessment uh, is done. And we understand, we can see what the person's learning agility looks like now. Then we take them through certain online uh, learning solutions. Sometimes um, it is combined with some blended learning and live interventions in between in this journey. And then we measure them again. And we look at, you know, did they improve on their learning agility? And so the person also starts mapping their own progress and mm -hmm. also even their own competitiveness in terms of where they want to go into the organization. Once again, the point of departure is that everyone has to do a brain profile assessment, the Neuralink assessment first, and then depending on how the development part, uh, uh, journey goes, different assessments and other tools will be added in the process. But what is nice about this assessment, it complements any other scientific assessment, but normally the point of departure is first understand the neurological wiring and then we can continue on to the other tools. That's right. So, you know, again, it can complement and you can add yes. value by utilizing the standard tools that relate to personality and so forth. Neville makes an interesting point, linking the application of neuroscience with proven results in areas such as health and safety. As people tire or when they're under stress, the way in which they receive clues and information about their environment can be affected. Yeah. Uh, and if by understanding their dominant sources of data, if we know that particular ways of providing information won't be picked up under stress or under pressure, then the way in which health and safety may be being covered or may be being allowed for may not work. It may There may be assumptions made that yeah, actually yeah. don't work. So in, in an open cast mining example, the design of the cab was changed as a result of understanding the way in which the majority of people 
collectively yeah. gathered information under stress. Yeah. Yeah. And their, their dominant uh, sources yeah. of data information was from the number of accidents reduced significantly. That's interesting. So, so maybe just to add to that, we now know that uh, based on people's um, hero design and the way that they process information, that will significantly influence their risk for human error. So many times in the world of, um, for instance, mining or manufacturing, uh, the, 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 uh, the organizational safety measures and all those things are very, very good and they do a great job. But often when we still look at what do we do to empower the individual to uh, reduce their personal risk for error? There's not always that much know-how to know what exactly to do. Yet, if we look at research in, in companies, for instance, mines and the manufacturing industry, between 70 to sometimes up to 90% of the accidents that occur are because of risk of human error. So therefore, it is a crucial thing that we need to have a focus on how do we empower the individual who works under stress with dangerous machinery, who can get hurt, who might even experience a fatality to understand how does fatigue, tiredness and stress influence how I process information. So once I understand how my design influenced my risk for error, the next thing is we can empower them with tools to minimize that risk. That's the good news. But yeah. then also we train their decision makers, their leaders, their managers to understand whose risk is where so we can help them manage that. And the, the good news about this is eventually, and that's what I loved when Nev said that it goes further than just learning. Understanding this prevents accidents. It reduces absenteeism in the workplace. It does save lives. Thank you for listening. The Neuralink series concludes next episode with part three, focusing on neuroscience, education and sport. For more information on Neuralink, contact us at info at neuro-linkeurope.com or alternatively call us on 01280 823 702. Thank you for listening.